0: that we're in this series that I'm super pumped about called uh, Intentional Acts of Kindness as opposed to Random Acts of Kindness, which are also very good which are also very good. But we just really felt in our hearts, Pastor Pritipin and I, that God wanted to speak to us about being intentional uh, about kindness, being intentional. And uh, I was thinking last week how um, Pastor Pritipin was talking about that scripture in Colossians that says this. God says, uh, clothe yourself with kindness. And I was thinking about that this week and I was like, wow. Like I love that he compared it to like clothes, like clothes, like putting on your clothes. Like every day I put on my pants. I put on my shirt, I put on my socks, I put on my shoes. Like, every there's not a day that I go without clothes on. So there shouldn't be a day that we go without kindness, right? And I just love that, that in that scripture, it just, I just have this, like, mental picture of, of kindness. And I want to pick up, actually, last week, um, we talked about kindness. And the last point of Pastor Prettyvin's message was, kindness changes the world, And I just feel like we got to take a whole Sunday, and we got to talk about how kindness can change the world and about how kindness does change the world. And I want to share some stories today uh, about my life and how I've experienced some kindness, how I've been been, been given opportunities to share kindness, and how kindness really can change the world, because I saw it change a community. And I'm going to tell you more about that story in just a second but I want to dive into the scriptures. Our text this morning comes from Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and uh, many of us are familiar with this story, but I believe this story that Jesus talks about in Luke chapter 10 is really about changing the world through kindness. So here we go. Luke chapter 10 verse 25 says this, In reply, Jesus said this. He told a story. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Which of these 3 do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, "The one who had mercy on him." And Jesus said, "Go and do likewise." So here we see Jesus telling this powerful story in answer to the question that a religious person asked, which is, "Who is my neighbor?" And Jesus tells this story, and I think that the, that the worst part of the story isn't even that this man was robbed and beaten and left on half dead on the uh, on one side of the road, but it was that two people, two religious people, walked right by him. And the scripture said, the priest saw him and walked around him. The Levite saw him and walked around him, but the Samaritan did one act of kindness, he just stopped. One act of kindness changed this man's life. Kindness, let me just say this, in terms of changing the world, kindness for a lot of people is the difference between life and death. And I have experienced some of this because um, I, I, I relate to the Samaritan man, but I also relate, if I'm honest, to the priest and the Levite. And I, uh, many of you know that I co-pastor this church with my husband here in Washington. And I also uh, I work at a nonprofit. I work at a nonprofit for the last six years that works in Southeast Asia, and we do development in uh, communities of poverty in Cambodia, Thailand, and Burma. And uh, I've just, I've shared a little bit of this story with you guys, but I got to tell you about a a couple things that just really wrecked my life, because the Samaritan saw this guy and was moved with pity, and he couldn't walk away from this guy. He just couldn't unsee this guy half dead on the side of the road. And uh, I've had some experiences in my life where I couldn't unsee some really dark and hard things, and I had to do something. Have you ever been there? And uh, so I I found myself six years ago on an airplane to the country of Cambodia for the very first time in my life, and I was there and I was just first starting to train and learn about things I'd never seen, uh, poverty, third world poverty the way that I had seen it for the first time six years ago. And I'll never forget it. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget walking up to uh, we were located where a couple of the villages were that we were ministering to were located and are located right on the third most heavily trafficked border in the world. And it's right along, it's it's very poor. And what what I realized is I saw these men and women standing in this village, and they had um, they had like Martian clothes on. It looked like like really intense like clothes that were like protecting them from something. And some of them were holding um, metal detectors. And what I came to learn is that they were sweeping for mines because there were landmines in underground in this in this land right along that border. And I came to know the history of what happened in Cambodia and the genocide that had happened there uh, really only about 30 years ago. And, and because of this terrible genocide, it put thousands and thousands of people in poverty. And the poorest of them had to squat and, and base their families on, on land that was full of mine, mines, landmines. And some of them lost their children Because their children stepped on landmines. Some of them were missing uh, limbs, arms, or legs because they went out to plant a garden because they need food and and came upon a landmine. And I'll never forget seeing this. I'll never forget thinking, what in the world? This This is, I mean, I just have never heard of anything like this. And I was, just so, I was just so shocked, and I was just so overcome with emotion. And I, I remember we were walking down. It was really rainy. It was rainy season in Cambodia. And I was walking with a group of people down this muddy, muddy road. I stood on the path because I didn't want to get off the path, okay? You know what I mean? And so I stayed on the path, and I'm walking, I'm walking down the mud path, and uh, it's pouring rain, and I see this hut, Uh, That is made of bamboo and mud and it's completely like falling over like it's falling over and and I realized in this village There's no electricity. There's not hardly enough food There's no there's just there's there's just so many like like so many basic things that that didn't exist I remember women coming up to me and lifting up their arms uh, lifting up their sleeves and showing me rashes on their skin Because there was no clean water And I I remember seeing for the first time the devastation of a community not having clean water. And while it it destroys the inside, I was seeing how it was destroying the outside as well. And so we're walking up. We're walking up along this... um, along this uh this hut that i see and it's falling over and so i go i go up to the hut to see if anybody is there to see if i don't know if we could do something if we could help or something and i remember uh just going up there and it didn't look like anybody was home i was like okay good nobody is home there was really no front door to knock on i was just kind of like looking in and as i turned around to walk away i heard something I heard like a bustling. And I was like, what in the world is that? And so I turn around, and I'll never forget this moment. I look, I look in this hut, and I see four sets of eyes popping through the cracks of, of this hut. And I remember just, I, I remember just like kind of going a little bit closer. And just a couple seconds later, this eight-year-old girl comes walking out from uh, from somewhere in that hut. And in her arms is her little baby sister that really couldn't have been more than like a month old. And uh, as she came out, then another little brother, another little brother, and another little sister, there were five of them, came out of this tiny little hut, and they were wet, and they were cold, and it was rainy. and. I remember just looking at the little baby and, and, and she had some scabs and some things going on in her head and I was just recklessly moved with compassion. And I, I did something that normally you don't do in development, which I learned later. There's strategy. You want to make sure that you're doing sustainable development. But I did not care. In that moment, I grabbed those kids. I am not their mother, but I grabbed their kids. And they're looking at this brown lady like, who is she? And what is she doing? She can't speak our language. And I, I just, I coerced them out. And I know this sounds creepy. I coerced them out. And I, I took them just to a little place. I didn't take them far. I took them to a little place and i uh i just gave them some bread to eat that we had had our team had had and i um i i went out and i bought some brand new clothes and i gave them to the kids and uh i just i'll just never forget Just what that was like and I did meet their mother actually that day and their mother did not want to leave her eight-year-old and under babies at home by themselves during the day to fend for food and to be alone but all she could do was go work so that they could have something and in fact they were saving money so they could fix the roof on their hut. And uh, I met her and, and she loves her children, but they are just so poor. The darkness was so real. The despair was so real. And, and I just want to say six years later, that while that that moment of kindness, although it was kind of crazy and I was like, here, have bread, what can I do? I just wanted to do anything that I could. And that moment, that moment for me, six years later, has become uh, something where we really began. God really began doing development in this in this village, and we started praying and we started talking to the people there. What do you need? What do you? What What can we do? And so. As of today, we've built almost six schools. God has done that. We're educating over 100 children. We figured out how to create a job creation program so moms don't have to go across the border where they're being uh, in the danger and vulnerability of sex trafficking. We hire them so that they can get an education and so that they can work from home and their babies don't have to be alone, the way that I ran into those babies that day. God came, and I'm telling you, sometimes, act of kindness grows and it it changes the world it changes the community because those people started helping their neighbors and those neighbors started helping other people and it became something where the gospel where Jesus love came into this village and the villages around it and God began to do something and I tell you this story not to brag about myself but to say in in very few moments in my life I have felt the way the Samaritan man did, and I couldn't not do something. But many more moments in my life, I have been the priest and the Levite. And there are people around me who are dying and bruised and broken all around me all the time, and and I'm walking around them. And something that I realize in this scripture, and, and maybe you feel the same way, there are moments that you're like, yeah, I couldn't walk away. I couldn't unsee what I saw. But there are moments that I just, I, I, I'm just not seeing it. And I think that for many of us, we don't mean, we don't mean to not see hurting people, okay? Like many of us, if we saw a hurting person, if we knew, we, we would want to stop. But one thing I realized about this scripture is that uh, the Samaritan man that was so different from the priest and the Levite is that he noticed and I think we have to look at the scripture, we have to realize that we can't let hurry kill our kindness. The scripture says that the man was in travel, he had an agenda for his day, the Samaritan man, okay? Like many of us, like we're not just gonna stop our jobs and stop our lives and just be kind to people all day long. Although we'd like to think that we could. But we just, we just can't. And, and, and so we have our agendas and we have our daily lives. And, and I realized that, I, that so many of us, we're flying through life. We're just flying through our days. And it's so incredible to me that the man noticed. You know what? I, like seven times a week, I lose my cell phone. Those are the, the, the people that live in my house know that Aretha can never find her cell phone, okay? I got a baby on my hip, I got a bag on my arm, I got keys in my hand, and I'm headed out to the car, and I can't on my phone, and I'm looking for it everywhere, and it's in my hand. You been there? It's in my hand the whole time, but I had to go back inside, take off my purse, put the baby down, and he, by the way, he took his shoes off while I put him down for a second, and it's just, it's just flying through life, you know? And I realized that we're just that so crazy sometimes. And you know what the worst one is? Okay, I'm just gonna be really vulnerable with you in terms of losing my phone. There's days that, you know, I'm talking to my phone, and I'm doing this, and I'm talking to somebody, and uh, I'm like, okay, yeah, I wanna put that in my calendar. Where's my phone? I can't find my phone. It's right here. It's right here. Like, have you ever done that? Or did I just totally embarrass myself? It's okay. So I just, they're just, we're just flying through life. And I want us to be careful to not let hurry kill our kindness. I want us to expose ourselves to opportunities for kindness. Many of us aren't exposing ourselves to opportunities because we're just flying through life. We're just flying. But the Samaritan man noticed. He noticed that this man was on the side of the road and needed help. And I believe that there are people in the office next to us who are beaten and bruised and who are lonely. There are children in our city that are caught in a system and they need a home. They need a forever home. There are acquaintances not friends, but actual acquaintances that we have that need us to become better friends and actually need friendship. And so many times we find ourselves, sometimes we find ourselves looking into that hut and seeing those children or being the Samaritan man and and seeing the man half dead on the side of the road, but so many times, so many times we miss because we're rushing and rushing and rushing. I saw this uh, quote, and I couldn't find the author of this quote, but I just loved it, and it says this. Be somebody who makes everybody feel like a somebody. That's what we would want. That's what we would want. So don't let hurry kill your kindness. All right, here's the second thing that I want to pull from this scripture this morning, and uh, I I titled this, this point this. Kindness is recognizing our sameness. Kindness is recognizing our sameness. You know, I'm, I'm concerned right now about our society because we are living in a world where our, the lines of separation are getting stronger and more powerful. And there are some hot topic issues right now. Racism, gun control, issues of political matters that are, are, are putting up some pretty intense lines between us. And I think what's happening is that in our disagreements, someone who's on the other side of something we really believe passionately, we have hatred for. We're dehumanizing each other. We're not seeing the sameness in humanity anymore. It says in verse 31 of Matthew chapter 10, it says, a priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, When he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Something that we have to understand about this day and age that this scripture is talking about is that Samaritans, so the guy who helped the man, Samaritans were half-breeds. They were Jewish and Gentile. They were Jews and Gentile. And and the Samaritans turned their nose up, or sorry, the Jewish people turned their nose up at the Samaritans. They would walk around Samaria to get to wherever they were going because there was some real prejudice going on in this time. And I have to stop and we have to ask ourselves, why out of the three men, Why, out of those three men, did this Samaritan stop? Why was he moved to pity? And I really believe that the Samaritan stopped because he knew what it was like to be an outcast. He knew what it was like to be beaten and bruised. He was a Samaritan. He was a half-breed. He was a reject in their society. And I think that he could relate. One of the most powerful thoughts that we can have is that, is when we see something and we say, whoa, that, that could have been me. That could have been me. Or that that could be me right now, today, that could be me. What really separates me from the human experience that this person is going through? And so I believe we've got to be careful and recognize that the, the world-changing kind of kindness that we need is the kind of kindness that says, hey, all of humanity has inherent value. Whether you're on the other side of my political battle or my argument going on on Facebook, whether you agree, whether you don't agree, you have value. And that person, all people need world-changing kind of kindness. He was a Samaritan who knew what it was like. He had great empathy. He could put himself in the shoes of the man who was lying half dead on the side of the road. He felt that pain. I I remember uh, a few years later in Cambodia, I was, we were doing some work, and it's so cool because um, God, and I really do, I give all credit to God, God built these schools, and then we realized that the kids were going to these schools, and they didn't have proper nutrition, so they were having a hard time learning at school. So we, some really incredible people came together and built a kitchen, and we we sourced local foods in that village, and hired some people who could cook, and they started um, cooking meals for these children at school, and, uh, but before that that, before that kitchen came, before we recognized that that was a huge need, um, we, were, we talked to the, to the village leaders and things like that, and they allowed us to bring packets of food in for children. And so um, we brought in packets of noodles and chicken and packets of rice and chicken. Okay, and uh, I feel like sometimes God teaches me the most incredible lessons with the tiniest little like duh moments, you know. And so I was sitting down with this family. This actually was the same little group of five children in their family. And I was sitting down with them and I gave them all these packets of rice and chicken and noodles and chicken. And the eight year old girl who's my hero, I just always remember her. I think about her. I pray for her. Uh, I remember she opened her pack and the first thing she did was um, feed her little baby sister. She didn't take one bite first. She fed her little baby sister. And uh, so I ran and I got another packet so that she could eat too. And then I offered to feed the baby so that she could eat. And these kids were just like like rummaging. I was looking and they were rummaging through these packets and they were eating all the chicken. They were just picking out the chicken because they just didn't have opportunities and couldn't afford protein and meat. So they're eating this chicken. And uh, I'm looking and um, I give this eight-year-old girl, I give her a packet of noodles. Okay, noodles and chicken. And uh, she looks at me and she opens it and then she gives it back to me. And I was like, that's really weird. And so I was like, maybe something's wrong with the noodles. And so I open the thing, I look at it. I'm like, everything's fine. So I, I, I give it back to her and I'm like, it's okay. I can't speak her language. So I'm doing all these stupid gestures. And I'm like, you can eat, it's okay, you know? And, um, and uh, she just, she gave it right back. And she kind of smiled a little bit and I was like, I what what is going on? And um, so then she pointed at a different packet, and she wanted. I realized all of a sudden she wanted the chicken with rice, not the chicken with noodles. And I was like, What? Aren't you hungry? Or wouldn't you just eat any? Like that's what we think, you know. That's what we think. We just think you're hungry, you're poor here, you know. But God showed me. Humanity, he showed me the sameness. This sweet girl, poor or not, has preferences, just like I do. She has taste buds that would prefer rice over noodles. You go, girl, have your rice. What do I know? But God showed up in my heart and he said, Amritha, this girl has inherent value like you do. She's not that much different from you. She is beautiful, she is made in the image of God. You are not above her. You are not above her. She has preferences. And I'll I'll never forget just being so moved by God and his kindness, because that's the God of kindness that I've experienced. Our differences disappeared, and I saw the humanity in her. I saw her value. And I believe, I believe that where there are lines that are drawn really strongly in our society, we have got to recognize again our sameness because it will move us to kindness. It will move us to world-changing kindness. Philippians 2.8 says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. You know, I think it's one of the most incredible feelings when someone does an act of kindness for you, and it's followed with this statement. It's followed with, hey, I've been there too. I've been there too. I've been through a divorce too. I lost somebody really important in my life too. I'm struggling too. I've been misunderstood, too. That kind of empathy, empathy, that kind of moment where we say, hey, I'm with you, man. I feel you. That's the kind of world-changing kindness that will come out of us in those moments. G.K. Chesterton has this quote that I love. He says, the Bible tells us to love our neighbors and also to love our enemies, probably because they are generally the same people. This kind of kindness, where we see the inherent value in someone, where, man, God will teach you, and he will say in a moment, man, that little girl just wanted rice, because she matters, and that desire in her heart matters. It matters. And the third thought that I want to pull out from this scripture this morning is this, Let's together, let's rally around intentional acts of kindness and let's restore Christianity's reputation of kindness. Let's restore Christianity's reputation of kindness. Pastor Preetiupin said it so well last week, he said, kindness is our brand as the church, as Christian people, kindness is our brand. And that actually came from my friend over here uh, who said that to us. We had lunch with them and you guys are just incredible. And uh, I love, I love that. I love that. So we're in LA this last week, Pastor Preeti, and I and our two-year-old son and we were spending some time with family, and not all of our family uh, are Christians and love Jesus. They really respect that we are pastors and that we have a church. Um, but uh, someone in our family, we were talking about Christianity, we were talking about Jesus, and, and someone said this, and it, it, just, it, just, it just shattered my heart. And uh, this person said, you know, I find, she's telling, talking to us, I find that Christianity is incredibly violent it's incredibly invasive, and it's terribly inconsiderate. That, that's been her experiences of Christians and people uh, who, who say that they're followers of Jesus. And man, those words really were like, whew. Like, I, I just, I was so shattered by that because I thought, no, no, that is not who God is. That is not who Jesus is. Jesus is so good. And I'm so sorry that you've had those experiences. Maybe you can relate. But I just, I just was so deeply deeply convicted and moved, and I just thought, oh, I just want to show you the kind of kindness and love that Jesus really has to offer you. There is a reputation of kindness in Christianity that needs to be restored, and we get to be a part of that. We get to be a part of that. Uh, anybody remember the? If you grew up like in Christian world and had like listened to different Christian music, maybe there was a band called DC Talk. Anybody remember DC Talk? Yes, okay, all right, don't be ashamed. I loved DC Talk, okay? And uh, they had this album called Free At Last, and it was a whole rap album, and I'm not going to rap for you today, but I used to know all of the words to to those songs. And uh, so there is, I know some of yours, I, I will not, I will not. Okay, and uh, so there is this quote that was in one of those songs, and so that's why I bring up that song. It's totally not terribly relevant in this moment. But there's a quote in one of DC Talks songs uh, by Brennan Manning, and it says this. The greatest single cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him by their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, when my family members said this to us, I I was so shattered because it, I, I just have experienced a God that came for me in, in one of my lowest moments when I was a tiny, tiny baby. I didn't even know. I didn't even know this. And I shouldn't be here standing today. And oftentimes, Pastor Pradeepan and I, we, we end our sermons by sharing our story because you've got to understand that Jesus has made a huge difference in our lives. And Ben, you can come on up. But I was born in the country of India, and I was abandoned the first day that I was born. And I was left at the doorstep of a woman who did one act of kindness like this Samaritan man. And she picked me up and she brought me into her house. And I lived. And after many, many more miracles and God's plan for my life, I came to America and I grew up in, in, in a world that is, is full of just wonderful love. And I, I came into a Christian family and, and it was one act of kindness that changed my life, like the Samaritan man. And I was so grieved that this girl had experienced such awful things in Christianity because I wanted her to know the kind of love and kindness and Christianity that saved my life. It saved my life. A stranger like the Samaritan man took me in. I was praying about this the other day, and I literally said to Jesus, I said, Lord, thank you for my own personal good Samaritan. Thank you, God. And some of you, many of us, we need to see the people. not be... We'll assume that... three is a charm okay so i want to challenge us you know we believe at Kalos church that nothing is more valuable on earth than people we believe jesus is the most valuable but nothing on earth is more valuable than people so kindness is how we will change the world how god will come i believe and touch the lives of those who need him So I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you two challenges. You ready for this? One is this. Would you slow down enough to give yourself an opportunity to be exposed to acts of intentional kindness? And here's how you're going to know. I want you to slow down enough until you're able to do an intentional act of kindness and you can tell a story about it. So if you say, Amritha, I slowed down, but there were no opportunities to be kind, then I'm going to say, slow down some more and open your eyes and look. So that's one. Your second challenge, our second challenge, and I believe that we will impact our city if we get practical with some of this stuff that is burning in our hearts through the scriptures. Number two is this. Do something kind for someone you don't like. Do something kind for the person you're always having an argument with with at work. Who is the person on Facebook that you are always in a political battle with? Do something kind for the person you disagree with or that you don't like. I believe that there is a world-changing kindness that God has given to us that we have a responsibility to give to other people. And if everybody in this room, in, in your city, in Bellevue, in Redmond, in Kirkland, wherever you live, if you, if you begin to do this, maybe some of you just need to invite the family that's struggling down the hall in your apartment complex to Easter. Do something intentional. Share the love that you have so been given. So I challenge you, I challenge you with that this week because nothing on earth is more valuable than people. Nothing. You know, this morning, I know maybe not everybody feels close to Jesus or feels close to God. And maybe you feel like my family member who said, hey, listen, Christianity has been something that, that, that has not been something I want to be a part of. Or maybe you're somebody who says, I feel Amrita this morning like the man on the side of the road who is beaten and bruised and hopeless. If that's you this morning, you're in the right place. You're in the right place because we believe nothing's more valuable on earth than people. And so I want to give you a chance today to know the kindness of God, the kindness That would move a Samaritan man. The kindness of a woman who would take me in as an orphan baby. That's the kind of kindness of Jesus. The kindness of Jesus who died on the cross that you might have true life. You're in the right place. God cares about you and he loves you so much. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads this morning. And I want us to pray I'm gonna pray about the challenges that I've given you this morning, that we as a body would do it, and that we would make a difference. And I wanna invite you, if you've never accepted Jesus into your life, that you would do that. You can do that this morning. So let's pray. God, thank you for who you are. Thank you that there is a world-changing kind of kindness Jesus, that you have put in us to impact the world, to impact those that are around us dying and hurting and bruised. God, thank you, Jesus, so much for your kindness. Lord, I pray this week that we would remember, we would take a moment, we wouldn't just come to church and forget, but we would be doers of the word and not just hearers. And we would go and we would slow down just a second to expose ourselves to opportunities of kindness, that we would take a second to be kind to a person we don't really like that much, or that we disagree with all the time. So Lord, I pray your blessing and your anointing on us as we do intentional acts of kindness that change the world. Thank you, Lord. And for those of you who wanna give your life to Jesus this morning for the very first time, I'm just gonna count to three, and if you would just slip your hand up, all heads are bowed, eyes are so closed, if you would just um, raise your hand just for a moment and just say, "Amrita, this morning I wanna give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life. I'm going to surrender to him. I'm going to believe again. You can slip your hand up right now. One, I see it. I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. More of you, I know, are just realizing the kindness and the love of God for the very first time. So why don't we all lift up our eyes and We have this prayer that we pray together every Sunday, and and we're going to pray it together. But if you've never prayed this prayer, this is a moment in your life that that is defining and that is so hugely special. So we're going to read this together. It's not a magic spell, but it does mean that, man, today you're surrendering your life to Jesus. So let's read this together. All together, Lord Jesus, I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I open the door of my life and receive you as my Savior and Lord. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Take control of my life. I turn from my old ways and invite you to come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen.